shawty, what's all with y'all? Oh, hi. Coming to say you're lucky, fine. We got to cutting it off. It she know about the kid and fuck on my line. I'ma keep it up all with y'all. But shawty, I'm trying to make you mine. Don't make it too easy, I wanna try. She looking too good, can't let it go by, oh yeah. Think I won the lotto. This slow mulatto. She could be a model. She wanna show me some. Think I won the lotto. All right, today we're here with TH and Jordan, and we have a really fun episode. We're going to be talking about European basketball a little bit. Um, at the end of the couch episode, Jordan Butsy and I kind of got into it, and it kind of like sparked this idea, and we want to talk more about it because I think there's some stuff there that we wanted to get more into, but you know, we were not, we were, it was a side tangent, so we didn't need to get super in depth on it. Um, and then we're going to be talking about the Nets and how hot they've been and then we're going to wrap it up by giving our panic level cons- or we're going to call us the concern meter uh for four teams two from the east and two for the west so uh stay tuned for that so starting off with european basketball um it's just been i've noticed this from watching that there's this influx of european basketball players that are coming and making a big name and all of them are very unique um i have a running list here and granted, I'm missing a lot of people, so don't uh, get too upset if I miss someone. But Victor Wembanyama, uh, Giannis, Jokic, Luka, Gasol brothers, Dirk Nowitzki, Tony Parker, Rudy Gobert, Bohan Bogdanovic, Bogdan Bogdanovic, Kristaps Porzingis, Larry Markkinen, um, just to name a few. Um, those guys are all really good and are all very unique. There's not a lot of role players per se like all those guys have very unique skill sets you look like the Gasol brothers Kobe was quoted as saying like he was very surprised and at that time that those guys who were seven footers were able to handle the ball and pass and Mark Gasol was known as being one of the best passers and Powell was known for like his his uh like really solid jump jumper like mid-range jumper and his passing ability as well uh which was just kind of unheard of for seven footers you look at um Rudy Gobert, just like unique big guy, unique defensive skill set. Same with Bohan Bogdanovich. I mean, Bohan and Bogdan are the probably the most role players on the list I gave out. And both of those guys are relatively unique. Um, Bohan being six eight kind of sniper. Um, you know, he has a, a more of a standard mold, but even he is pretty uh just unique to watch. Same with Bogdan. Um, so we wanted to figure out why this is the case, like why these guys are coming over and what is setting them apart from the U S and why are some of the best players in the world coming from Europe right now? And, uh, we went in depth. So Jordan, we'll start with you. Did, like, what did you find? Yeah, well, I think there's always been a, a lot of good European players, but like you mentioned now, um, guys like Jokic and Luca are becoming some of the, the best players in the world. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we wanted to look into it and I think it's, it's pretty evident that, uh Europeans are generally just less athletic than the American players and that kind of forces them to work on their skills more at a young age and they can't just coast and get by by being you know bigger stronger more athletic um than the people they're playing against so you see guys you know like like Luka and Jokic who are you know Luka's 6-7 um great ball handler Jokic 7 whatever he is um again really good handle for his size and an amazing passer too um, and the other thing I think is super clear with European players is their footwork. And yep. that seems like it, it's something um, 
a, a lot of American players don't really learn until they get to a very high level. Um, you know, even even college kids don't have great footwork. And when you see these European players come over to the NBA, like they, they it's clearly something that they've been coached on and have been working on um, for quite some time. Yeah, um, it's very, very unique. I, I The footwork is definitely something that sticks out. Um, Tori, I know you mentioned uh, Dirk Nowitzki's coach in Europe. Um, I know he is a big pioneer of the footwork. Can you get into that a little bit? Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, definitely. Uh, I mean, also, before we get on Dirk and everything, I wanted to talk about it a little bit. I feel like we didn't, we didn't get to talk about Arvita Sabonis at all. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely, um, if we're going to talk about footwork and big men and everything, uh, he's just one of the best, if not, I mean, the pioneer for big men, just kind of, I, I could, I wish I could pull him up. He was doing Jokic passes before those, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just mm-hmm. passes you wouldn't expect from a guy who was seven foot six. I mean, granted, he couldn't really move too well. Um, that's, you know, that was one of the limitations, I think. It's also a limitation for guys, obviously, his size, but you know, just overall, like, you know, Demonis Sabonis especially, I think he is one of the most skilled big men in the league uh, at the at the power forward. I mean, it's just, I don't know, overall, like, rebounding. <clears throat> we talked about it, footwork, everything, uh, you know, outstanding. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, also one random player that I think is, like, um, I don't know, just – Someone that was insane for the time and I think would be really, really would be a star nowadays. Uh, he was on the verge of being a star, but Andre Kirilenko, AK 47, um, he was such a versatile defender. He was like a five, they call him like a five tool defender. He's got a great motor, good man defense, off ball defense, shot blocking, versatility. Um, his, he like just the tenacity and instincts that he, brought to that to the man defense was impressive um and then he had like really good length on him and then he just was really smart off ball he had a really high motor and was an insane shot blocker um he was a like a just revolutionary defender and he had a really underrated offensive game as well um he was a great like super solid uh passer a great cutter he drove the ball with again tenacity and then he was really really good at drawing free throws in a time or like drawing fouls and getting free throws in a time where they didn't do that as much as they do nowadays um i think andre karolinko would have really killed it in the nba i mean he was great in the in the back in the day but i think he's underappreciated and often forgotten um and i know he's a product of the european basketball system um there's other guys like detlef shrimp like there's just a bunch of guys and even like you look at um they talk about like Clint Capella out of Switzerland, I believe that's what, yeah he's from Switzerland, I think. Yeah, yeah he yeah. he um he like he's kind of a unique big man because he's six nine, but he plays like like a solid, great defense, and he's really fundamentally sound. What I've noticed is that all these guys are very fundamentally sound, and um, a lot of guys that they draft from America, um, they're called like projects. And you do draft projects yeah. from from Europe as well, but you leave them in Europe to get better. Whereas here, we draft these project guys based off the one attribute that you think is good. So, for example, like if you if you draft the um, 
the Thompson twins in the draft this upcoming season, this upcoming year, both of those guys, you're drafting them because of their um, athleticism upside, but they have questions about their shooting and their offensive game and their even their defensive game. But if you were drafting a European guy, I would feel more comfortable because they're more well-rounded. You're, you're not going to have as many questions about their shooting or their ball handling or passing, things of that nature, because that's what they're good at. Um, and they're taught all that from a, from like an early age. And, um, let's go going forward. Um, I think so in, uh, research, I found one thing that really stuck out to me was, um, the, the competition level. So the U S everything is based on age. Um, it's not based on skill level per se. So you always play within your grade. Um, I found this interesting. You could play on the national team for in Europe at age 13. Um, there is no age based skill making. It's skill or sorry, age based matchmaking. It's skill based matchmaking. So if you're good, which Luca was playing professional basketball at like 16. So if you're good, you're just playing with adults. Um, I think, I think that's something that really stuck out to me. And then the other one is called youth academies where basically it's these academies that are from larger, um, teams so example would be like barcelona has a barcelona youth academy i believe that's the one that luca went to um they it's like a school where you do basketball all day and then on the side you do school but your main focus is your sport that's something that's really interesting to me and i think that's why uh, kids are getting better um dirk went to um the institute of applied nonsense his coach was a uh, holger geschwender and uh it was uh it's been a thing since 1995 it's just the academy in Würzburg. Germany, it says. Yeah. Uh, and it, he basically, his whole thing is he calculated the optimal angle of a jump shot to be 60 degrees. And that's what he teaches there is to try to get your jump shot at an optimal angle of 60 degrees. So, wow. Yeah. And I remember yeah, him doing like, perfect. I remember him wa like watching videos of him and he also, he was doing like tennis ball dribbling work and like stretches when no one was doing stretches. He was doing these like ridiculous stretches and footwork um, exercises, which Nowadays, you're seeing a lot more um, changes in how people train and everything. But like the idea a while ago, the idea of going and training for a week without even touching a basketball, but training for basketball using all these different methods uh, would be pretty surprising. So, um, yeah, that was something that really stuck out to me were the youth academies, the age, the competition level. Another thing is um, they genuinely call less fouls in the European professional league. Um, Jordan, I know you've watched like FIBA and stuff. What what can you tell me about the physicality levels? Uh, yeah. How different is it in Europe? Well, I was actually just going to bring that up. So, and I think it's interesting, like we, we brought up the competition level Um, and it's pretty clear watching a lot of, you know, talented prospects from the U S go on and just have pretty dominant high school careers and not really be challenged, Um, you know, other than maybe, two to three games a year where they're, they're playing yeah. against the other top teams. Um, but in Europe, like you mentioned, when, when you can go pro at 13 years old, you're going to be challenged your whole life and you're going to be playing with grown men at a young age. So that by itself is going to make you, you know, be a, be a more physical basketball player, be used to taking contact, um, get used to using your body. Um, and yeah, I, I think that that goes to what you said about, you know, they also have different rules and they call fouls differently and, and then they 
you know, the the top players from Europe are able to bring that physicality over to the NBA. And you can see, especially in Luca, the way he uses his body and how physical he is um, and just how strong he is, too, that like NBA guys oftentimes aren't really used to that physicality. Yeah. And yeah, no, they they just you say they call fouls differently. They just don't call fouls, really. They don't yeah. nearly call as many. There's a lot more hacking, hand checking. Um, the the offensive player is not as protected as it is in the NBA and in American basketball. Um, you see, it's a complete like James Harden would not do well in Europe. He would not get those foul mm-hmm. calls, and he would just his game would fall apart. Um, Luca has said he said it before his seventy one, or not his seventy one point game. He he said it before his sixty point game that um, it's harder to score in Europe than it is in the U.S. Uh, they just and I think he'll be one. I think he's going to be the next one to break seventy one points. Um, to be completely honest with you, um, and so you mentioned these high school kids as well. Uh, like you see a lot of those guys that aren't tested, like you've talked about, and then they get to even college, and then you are like, "Oh man, this guy wasn't nearly as good as I thought." Or in some instances, like look at Shaden Sharp's career; he was a top pick coming out of a top recruit coming out of high school. He goes to Kentucky, sits out, and then gets drafted number seven. Now, so far, it looks like that's working out for him. But that is something where you could draft him and know nothing about him. Whereas in Europe, you have footage of them playing. You could have professional footage from them being 13 years old playing in a professional basketball league um, and know what their game looks like. And I think that's why you get a higher success rate on European players when you're taking them because you really know what you're getting. Um and like there's exa- there's been examples of this like so for example like one that sticks out to me because I remember watching him a lot was Trayvon Duvall um he was so good coming out of high school he goes to duke on that zion team and he's just not good he do- he doesn't look good at all um he doesn't he-, he showed that he just wasn't a dynamic player and now he's i think he's in the g league now he- yeah he plays the grand rapids gold for the for the nba g league um other examples of this are like Jaleel Okafor, who was like a really high, highly touted recruit and was a high draft pick. Nerlens Noel. Um, a lot of these guys you're just guessing. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of these guys you're just guessing. Um, whereas I feel like with European basketball players, you're sort of narrowed down and you kind of know what you're getting. Um, so it is interesting. Um, I, I think that the American basketball needs to make a change if we're going to keep up with Europeans. Um, and Jordan, do you have any ideas of what that change could be? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's that we're getting caught up, you know, by Europeans or like we have to make some significant change. I think we just have different systems and it's clear, like when you have the freak athletes that America has, like it's, it's tough to tell them to not use that. Like you want them to, to use their, their athleticism, um, and we've seen, you know, like guys like Jason Tatum, you know, make it work their their whole career and and then develop the skills as they uh, progress. And and it works, you know, just as well as as that European style. But I, I do think, um, you know, it, orienting a more team basketball focus yeah, that's what would definitely be beneficial um, yeah. because a, a lot of players, you know, grow up dominating and, and hit, taking whatever shots they want. And, and then they think, you know, they can do that at every level and, and they eventually learn that they can't, but teaching that from a young age is definitely something Europe has on the U S 
Yeah. Uh, so we'll see if, you know, there's any changes to be made. Yeah, I think the AAU system in the U.S. is kind of not – I think it helped make a lot of players – um like make a name for a lot of players, but I think it's going to end up hurting us in the long run. You watch these videos of these like eight-year-old kids playing AAU. They're not passing. They're dribbling. They're doing cool moves, but those they're not getting anywhere. Like the thought that comes to mind is like watching Julian Newman play where he's just dribbling, but he's not going anywhere. He's just doing crossovers. And then you just sit there on your butt and wait for him to do something. Yeah. And stuff like that where they kind of get an ego and then you're watching like eight year olds like chirp each other and like clapping each other's face. You're not getting a lot of that in Europe. You're getting um, just fundamentally sound basketball. And I think at the end of the day, basketball, as much of it as it is a sport, it's also a business. And you need to put out a solid product for people to watch. And I think people are going to start to get tired of this um, very like one sided offense that we're seeing right now where it's one guy kind of just taking over. Um, I think people are going to start to get tired of that. I think people are going to want to um, go back to a more team-oriented sport. You, you see checks and balances always. It's always – right now the offense has everything, but it's going to go back where they're going to give the defense some leeway to catch up. So it's going to be interesting. Um, Jordan, yeah, you had something? I, I think it's, it's interesting because AAU is meant to develop players individually. And yeah. – Sometimes that leads to guys, you know, taking bad shots and being ball hogs and and that type of stuff. Um, I think there's a way that you can develop players individually, you know, in practice and and still allow them to, you know, be themselves on the court, but at the same time play fundamental basketball. Yeah. Um, and a lot of AAU programs do that really well, but there's also the other side that don't. So, yeah, it is. It's tough. Um, TH, have you? notice anything about these European players coming over? I mean, honestly, <clears throat> I, I, I agree heavily with the AAU figure to talk about, uh, you know, the disadvantages that we have in America. But, uh, I, you know, I think especially European players, they just kind of have – I want to say they kind of have more balls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just like they, they're obviously in a very different environment. I feel like, <clears throat> you know, I don't want to sound like a, uh, a weird – or I don't, don't want to down-talk America, but I feel like a lot of uh, – especially in recent times we were brought up very softly or some people have yeah. brought up very, you know what I mean? Like not a lot of hardship. And I think that, you know, I'm not going to say that Luca had to like, you know, farm potatoes for the first five years of his life, but I'm saying like, you know, I yeah. think he was, yeah, he, he pretty much, he, he had to do things. Uh, he had to do a lot more mature things at a young age, uh, you know, playing for, uh, I think it was Real Madrid or the, that yeah. basketball club or whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, the main thing is definitely, you know, maturity and just being an overall, you know, having, having kahunas, you know, that's an interesting mature. point. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Like you, you think about Eastern Europe has not had stability or non hard times ever, ever, mm -hmm. or for a minimum from the nineties, you go straight from yeah. the Yugoslavian war, which that would affect Jokic um, and a little bit of Luca, I would guess, but it would be like, Jokic, the Bogdanoviches are probably affected by that or were affected by mm -hmm. that. And then you go from there, you have like Ukraine has had conflict predating what's going on right now. Um, yeah, none of these guys have had Russia. Oh, Boban. Boban's document uh, documentary. Um, he talks about he's from um, Serbia as well, I think. No, Boban is. Yeah. From, uh, let me look that up. Is Czechoslovakia? No, he is from. 
Yeah, he's from he's from Serbia. So Jokic, um, him and Jokic are from the same same country. Um, he was there during the Yugoslav wars, and he was talking about how he wouldn't be allowed to go outside. Um, and they were just like trapped inside all the time. And I think to your point, like that makes you a tougher person. You start thinking a little bit less about, you know, what we take for granted as Americans. Um, and maybe when you get an opportunity like to play basketball in an academy, maybe you're more focused on basketball. Whereas yeah. in America, because I also have noticed that these European guys don't become like like celebrities as I mean, Wemby did, Luca did, but really from there it was like Giannis was a no name coming over. Um, none of those other guys were really like TikTok. Boban was a no name, and he made himself a name yeah. in the NBA for being like a nice, you know, funny guy. So exactly like, but there's a lot of these guys like we know, like the the Ball brothers, for example, were like celebrities in high school. Um, that's got to affect your ego. So I don't know. We're, we've probably gone too long on this topic, but I, I thought it was really interesting. And I think that um, Europe, I think eventually Europe is going to start to take over. Um, the downfall of U.S. basketball be over glorified. I mean, we've seen it. We've players. seen it in um like 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 world FIBA play when it's like the U.S. goes like we're still a little bit better, but we're getting we're getting tested for sure by like Serbia and uh Slovenia. Argentina Argentina is a really good, good team yeah Spain all Spain's obviously been you know the African countries are starting to catch up as well um but yeah Argentina has been like South America has been really solid um because they they kind of follow that European system as well so I guess but the, the one argument you can say to that is you know we're not technically allowed to right now use NBA players to an extent like we can use people that kind of like bounce around like you know G League out of the NBA but you can, we're not technically like we don't have I'm pretty sure that they put a rule in place for that. But I mean, obviously for other countries, there's no limitations. Like, you know, Giannis could probably play for Greece if he wanted, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. That's no, the, the, NBA, but I, the NBA yeah, I know what you're saying. Play, but they just don't like the, the oh, American I thought players. It wasn't, oh. No, they just they don't. Just no, they can. They just don't because they're like, well, a lot of them are worried about load management. Like Tatum. I, I, I was worried about Tatum oh. playing because he went from the finals to, playing in the world cup or whatever. And I was worried about um, that's a lot of basketball that he was playing at for USA basketball. Um, you think we'll see, we'll see another dream team by the time. We, uh, I don't know. I'm, I really don't know. Um, I think you would have to take a dream like Serbian team, you know, winning or something for us to assemble a team. But I, I also don't know if a lot of Americans care about it like they used to. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and we're going to talk about the nets. All right, we're back. We're going to be talking about the nets. Um, we wanted to do this a couple days ago and of course they lost. So um, I know they're coming off of a loss, but they were on an 11 game win streak. Um, they've been looking completely dominant. Um, Jordan, we'll start with you. What has stuck out to you about the nets and why do you think they're just absolutely dominant right now? I mean, I, I think you got to start with KD because it's kind of obvious. Uh, yeah just how much he's impacting that that team um definitely in the mvp conversation but there's so many guys in the mvp conversation that doesn't even like it's not even that crazy to say uh but he's averaging 30 uh and shooting 57% from the field which is absolutely ridiculous for the type of shots that he takes and the type of defenses that he faces and you know all the double teams that get thrown at him to average 57% i think it's just ridiculous um he takes 19 shots a game too which is a lot um and then on top of that he's playing great defense he is 
fourth in defensive rating in the league, um, which is really impressive. So he's definitely, you know, shouldering a lot of the load there, but it's carrying on to to the rest of the team too. So it, but it definitely starts with KD. Yeah. He's been insane. Um, uh, Tori, what have you noticed from the team? Um, you know, the coach, um, I'm not really Jock Spawn. Jock Spawn. Um, I think he's kind of letting them play, you know what I mean? Like he's kind of yeah. like, he's not trying to, he's not trying to write up plays and force them to kind of like, you know, play, I wouldn't say play out of their comfort zone, but not necessarily do what they think is right. Like, you know, I, I, when they're on the floor, I think, you know, they see it a lot differently than the coaches. You know, I think obviously the coaches also have a different perspective. They have, they see it slower. Um, but, you know, I, I think on the court, uh, especially in like a end of the game situation, if you're looking for a bucket, I think that most of the time that decision shouldn't necessarily be 100% up to the coach. Like if you're going to run a play or whatever play you're going to drop. And I feel like he's kind of letting, you know, Kyrie and KD, these, those, these genius scoring minds that, you know, should be let like, you know, should be allowed to come up with plays and different things like that because of, you know, their track record and everything, you know, he's actually letting them do it. You know, he's letting them be them, which I think is great for them because Steve Nash didn't provide that at all. Um, I think Steve Nash was just kind of like a, I don't even know, honestly, a traffic or traffic cone kind of just there. Uh, But overall, yeah, I think it's just the play, like you said, from KD, I also think Kyrie is stepping up a lot. You know, I think I actually have it right here. It's like, you know, 26 a game uh, from 50, 50, 50 from the field, 40 from three, you know, five and five about a steal and a block a game. Like that's, that's really good uh, from coming from your, from your point guard. So, I mean, he's playing like he's always, he, he should be playing. And uh, that's definitely the two or one of the big main reasons why they're having that success right now. So. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to talk about the coach. I think the coach has stuck out to me and then just his defense, the way that he has this team defending right now is the most impressive thing to me. They have the number one defense in basketball right now. They're first in blocks per game, uh, which is which they they average um, six point eight blocks per game. Second is Memphis at six point one, and third is Indiana at five point eight. Just for a little uh, metric, um, yeah, they are insane. And Jock Vaughn does not play you if you don't play def- defense. So um, he's incentivizing guys to play defense, and you're seeing it drip down to KD and Kyrie as well. Those guys are actually looking locked in on defense and are playing good team defense. And then from there, the team shooting has been really, really solid. Um, They're second in three-point percentage behind the the Nuggets at 39.1. The Nuggets are at 39.8. From there, the next highest team is Portland at 38.2, tied with Phoenix 38.2. The biggest guys are Utah Watanabe has been playing out of his mind um, with his three-point percentage. He was leading the league in three-point percentage um, for those that actually shoot it consistently. Yeah, he still is. Um, Right now he's at 51.4% from three-point percentage, which is technically 12th. But you know who's number – can any of you guess who's number one on the list in three-point percentage? Mm, Malcolm Brogdon. No. Dang it. Rudy Gobert. Nope, close. DeAndre Jordan, he's at 100%. Um and that's because he all he took one and made one. So, if you cu- if you cut out the guys that that don't shoot, which is um Gary Payton the second, DeAndre Jordan, Jordan Shackel, Robin Lopez, Trevor Hudgens, D- 
Dayron Sharp, Blake Wesley, Drew Eubanks, Rashawn Holmes. All those guys have um, are like ahead of. Oh, sorry, Ron Harper Juniors uh, and Svi Mikhailchuk. All those guys are ahead of Utah, but if you look at their three points attempted, none of those guys have more than two three pointers attempted. And then Utah, Utah uh, shoots about three a game, so he's shooting sixty percent, and he's abs or sorry, fifty one point four percent. He's absolutely been lighting it up. Same with TJ Warren's been shooting really well, um, and he's been looking good since he came back. Um, Nick Claxton has gotten it going defensively. He's just kind of stop scoring and he's just fully been blocking and defending really well. Um, Jordan, we'll start with you. How afraid of you if you are a team that gets matched up with the Nets in the in a playoff series, like how how fearful are you of that? I mean, definitely super scary. Um, I still do think they're the third best team in the East. I if you know I we're obviously Celtics fans, if we're playing the Nets, I'm not I'm not gonna be overly scared. Um, definitely a, a losable series for the Celtics, but I, I still think we would handle them, um, just because of our overall roster and, uh, you know, how good our offense is, even with how good the Nets offense is, it's still not quite, um, to the level that the Celts are at, but yeah, I mean, they can, they can beat anyone like they, this team can absolutely go all the way when you have a guy like KD, um, and a co-star like Kyrie, and then the rest of the squad, you know, shooting the ball lights out. And, uh, you know, everyone, like you guys said, it, everyone's at least locked in on defense and, and giving it their all for Jacques Vaughn. So um, they're definitely not who you want to see in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, TH, do you think that they're a legitimate title contender? Um, That's definitely tough to say. I wouldn't go as far to say, you know, them being a title contender, but I could see them making it out of the first and second round if they get the right matchups and also play – like they're playing now, obviously they had a little bit of struggles at the beginning of the year, but clearly they've figured it out. So um, if they continue to do what they're doing, uh, I would say that they'll definitely be a first or second round playoff team for sure. Yeah. But not a contender. Really? I, I, I think they're contenders um, just because I'm a big proponent of if you have the best best basketball player in the series, you're most likely going to have a chance at winning the series and i think kd could be the best basketball player in any series that he's in i really do think that um and Kyrie could be the best player in maybe like 65 percent of the series that he's in so i just think those two are tandem and the way that they're looking right now i do think they're a legitimate contender um but I mean, like you like to Jordan's point, it is really hard in the East, so it's going to be a tough road for them. Um, is there anything else that has stuck out to you guys about the Nets or in this winning streak that just ended yesterday? Well, I do think it's one thing to say is they don't have like a an amazing roster where you would where you would think they would be great on defense. Um, and they're not, you know, they're not world beaters on defense. They're not a a top team, but they're number the, one in the league right now. Are they really? Yeah. In what? They, in defensive, like it's like the defensive metric. Yeah. So I I just pulled um points allowed and they're eighth in that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense if they're playing at like a slower pace. But that's yeah. So that goes even further to my point. Like they don't have other than Simmons, they don't have a bunch of guys who are 
really known for defense. Um, Claxton's really good, but even Claxton is like super skinny and you could, you know, KD super skinny. Um, they don't have a lot of, you know, strong built defenders um, on their team, but the effort they play with and the, you know, you can see the strides that they've made um, this year on the defensive end and, and communication and effort. So I think that's, you know, it's just a huge part of how they've gotten to where they're at. Yeah. It's just legitimately just like, balls and hard work like they've just been fucking going at it um but yeah that to to be fair uh cleaning it up a little bit that defensive metric i don't understand how they're measuring it i've been trying to figure it out i can't they just kind of have it as defense so it's a little weird but um yeah they they've just been putting it all together um they've been playing really really well and i'm interested to see what they do and how far they go um let's transition now we're going to be talking about four teams um and we're going to be giving our concern levels for the four teams. Um, these are four teams that I think are underachieving this year. And we're going to be giving our concern levels for their performance so far. We picked two from the East and two from the West. So the first team that we're going to talk about is um, the Suns. So just kind of talking about them. Booker is out right now. Um, there seems to have been like something a change with cp3 maybe it's age maybe it's a nagging injury but i think we can say that he has been playing ridiculously well um right now i believe they're ranked fifth in the west um and they just have had some issues this season already they've had some ups and downs for sure uh we'll start with uth what's your uh confidence or sorry what is your level of um what's the word concern for the Suns? Um, definitely, you know, I wouldn't, I mean, I'm, I would say highly concerned, I guess, uh, you know, that, that seems like CP3 is coming to his, uh, and yeah, you know, his, or whether it, you know, be his useful end. I don't know how long it'll stick in the league for, but, you know, I don't think he's going to be a valuable or a viable championship point guard. Like I thought he was going to be, because I mean, last year he was playing like that, but, you know, the playoff series didn't really show that very too well, but, uh, you know, D-Book being out isn't helpful either. And, you know, I'm not, I don't really know too much about how DeAndre Ayton's playing or if he's, you know, been hurt at all, but I haven't really seen much. I haven't heard much. I would assume that he's not playing, uh, outstanding. Uh, but, uh, you know, just overall the roster they have and the way they performed last year, they should definitely be a three seed or a four seed, at least, you know, playing a lot better than they are right now. And, you know, last year they had Monty Williams, they still have Monty Williams to coach of the year. So, um, yeah, I'd say very, I'd say highly concerned for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, just to clean up real quick, um, they're ranked eighth in the West. They are 20 and 19. So they're one game over 500. Um, yeah. So Jordan, what can you give us your concern level for the Suns? Yeah. So I'm slightly less concerned than TH. I'd say out of 10, I'm probably a six or a six and a half. Um, before Booker was out, they were starting to get it together a little bit, even with Chris Paul, obviously having a big decline this year. Um, he, he started off the season pretty much as bad as you can start out a season, but they, they did start to get it together a little bit and they climbed the standings and then Booker went out and these last, you know, couple weeks since he's been out, has been really rough, but, uh, I'm still not super concerned. Uh, I know Monty Williams is a great coach. Um, and I think the drama with DeAndre and that we were kind of concerned about preseason looks like it's subsided at least a little bit. Um, he's playing, you know, 
pretty much as well as he always does, pretty much putting up the same numbers as last year. Um, and the main reason I'm not super concerned is the West is pretty wide open. Um, I could still see see them making a pretty deep run. Um, obviously that that has a lot to do with how CP3 plays and if he can get back to you know that level that he's been at for the past few years. But this West is not – there's not any one team at the top that I think is, is going to dominate. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, the main concern is CP3. And also the team is just struggling shooting in general. Uh, they're 20th in the league in field goal percentage. so And they've just been struggling to kind of overcome that. But I think they can turn it around. Shooting comes and goes. Um, and, and I still believe in this roster. They have, they have a ton of talent, pretty good depth. Um, solid role players all around. So I think they can still, once Booker comes back, I I do believe they can, you know, string together a good season. Yeah, I'm also at a, I would say five and a half, six. Um, I think a big part of it is Booker obviously being out. Um, to TH's point, DeAndre and has not been remarkable. 17.4 points per game, 9.7 rebounds. But um, to be fair, they're going through, they're going to be, they're, They've been sold. They had to go through the whole Sarver situation, which is just tough to play through. Um, no matter what, like I, I'm sure you guys have been been at jobs where like there's stuff going on with the hires higher ups. It's kind of hard to focus at work. It's the talk of work, you know. It's always that happened to me one time where the company I was work or like I worked as a cook and the restaurant I was working at, like the owner got like they just train transitions with owners and it was very weird. Um, and there's a lot going on and that's such a very small and unimpressive version of the like what's happening with the sun so i can't imagine that it's like easy to play in that especially when your owner is facing like racist allegations and sexual harassment allegations so there's just no way that it's like easy to play in that and then not to mention the deandre and monte williams thing is weird and deandre ayton situation is weird in general because if you guys remember, he did not want to go back. He signed to Indiana in a sign and trade, but they had him as a restricted free agent. So they matched his um, contract. So he had to return to Phoenix. So clearly he didn't want to be there. Um, I don't know. They didn't make any moves. So I don't understand why bringing him back to the exact same situation, uh, why you would think that would change anything. Um, the reason I'm not, another reason I'm not scared or as concerned is that um from what i've heard is that kuzma to the um sons is like pretty is a fairly likely thing i've heard that i've heard that that's like a huge um rumor that's been going around and that would really really boost them a lot um and then i've also like they have that jay crowder trade waiting um so they're gonna move him at the deadline for sure so you can get a pretty solid guy back from a contending team for Jay Crowder. Um, I've heard a Jay Crowder for um, Eric Gordon trade thrown out there a lot, um, which would be interesting. I think he helps them a lot. So I do think there's moves to be made for them to get better. Uh, Booker will come back. I am really worried about CP3. I agree with TH on that one. I don't know if we're going to be seeing the CP3 of old anymore. Um, and then Mikhail Bridges, I'm really high on him, but he just hasn't been playing super great. So, yeah, I'll say five and a half, six, but there are moves to be made and people to come back from injury, and I think they'll be okay. Um, moving on to the next team, and that is um, the Heat. Uh, I'm, a I'm a little bit more worried about them. Um, currently, the Heat are number eight in the East. 
they are 20 and 19. So literally the exact same as the Suns. Um, we'll start with you, Jordan. What's your concern level for the Heat? Yeah, in terms of winning a championship, my concern level would be up to an eight for the Heat. Uh, first of all, the East is just completely loaded. There's there's not like this this wide open thing that we've seen in the past um, in the East where the Heat have been able to, you know, kind of fly under the radar and then and then make a big playoff push. This East is going to be really tough the whole year and and in the playoffs. And I think we saw last year the Heat get exposed a little bit uh, at the end of their playoff run. Uh, by the Celtics, just in terms of talent, I think we saw like they the only way that they were winning games was if you know Jimmy Butler was having an absolutely, uh you know outstanding game and just putting the team on his back, and at the same time the Celtics weren't playing well. So that's if that's the only way you're going to win games, you're definitely going to struggle. Um, and now this year that's that's kind of carried over. They they just don't have enough talent on offense. I think Jimmy needs more help. Um. And yeah, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to make a very deep run this year. Yeah. Um, TH, what's your concern level? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I would say just about the same as Jordan, uh, like an eight, nine. Uh, you know, them being the eight seed is definitely not um, classic heat. Uh, they're usually around the five, four seed around that, but um, definitely under or underperforming. Um, you know, I, I don't really know. I should have done more research, but I'm not sure if Jim Butler's been hurt that much. Uh, <clears throat> I know the Tyler Hero has been playing pretty well, uh, but still, that's not really enough to get them over the hump. Like, you know, that's him dropping 37 isn't going to – it didn't win them a game. Uh, but, you know, still, like Jordan said, uh, East is loaded. There's really no room for them to succeed. You know, the, the bottom tier teams in the East that were usually teams you could kind of you know, getting the easy one off of aren't like really a thing anymore. So, uh, you know, just, yeah, definitely like an eight, nine, uh, concern level, but yeah. Yeah. I'm the same as you guys. Um, this roster needs a shakeup. Um, just their bench is really thin. Uh, if you're looking at it, I believe it's Adebayo, Butler, Hero, Lowry, and, um, matchup dependent Struess or Martin, uh, start. That's already, kind of a shaky five-man lineup like Adebayo, Butler, um, and Lowry's all right. I, I would I would rather maybe Hero starts and Lowry off the bench at this point, but if not that, maybe Hero as your sixth man, I'm not sure. But then having Struess or Caleb Martin or Victor Oladipo start for you, that's a spot that needs to be upgraded. And then if you just look at their bench, it's Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Victor Oladipo, Duncan Robinson, Dwayne Dedman, Nikola Jovic, Orlando Robinson, Haywood Highsmith, uh, Jamal Kane, Drew Smith, Udonis Haslam. Um, that's just not the depth that the East and other teams in the NBA have in general is a lot better than um, what the Heat have right now. But I do think they're a move like the Heat are the team that makes moves at the deadline. They got Lowry. They've made moves before they got butler like they've made trades and stuff happen pat R pat riley is always looking to make the team better um i think the first thing obviously is getting rid of duncan robinson's co uh contract basically with that and i think he could flourish on another team but they need to get rid of him um i have heard a couple of different trade things but i can't remember them off the top of my head but i would get my first move would be to get rid of duncan robinson um, I would also look to upgrade the Kyle Lowry spot, to be honest. Um, 
you guys know I've mentioned this a lot. I'm not a huge Kyle Lowry fan at all. And um, the way that he's just been not, he hasn't been aging super well. Um, right now he is 13.4 points per game, four and a half rebounds, 5.7 assists. So he's painfully mediocre. Um, I think it's, I think it would be time for you to get rid of him, give him to another contender, try and upgrade that spot. Um, Jimmy Butler is not playing super great. He's, 21.5 points, uh 6 rebounds, 4 point or sorry, 5.7 assists. However, he does not he he does not play until the playoffs. Um he is a completely different animal in the playoffs and I would rather have him on my team over just about anyone in the playoffs. So I'm not worried about that. But yeah, I'm pretty concerned for the for the Heat because if they don't do anything, I don't see there's no chance that they're championship finals. Final uh what are they called? Finalists. So um next next team we're going to talk about is the warriors uh th what's your concern level for the warriors right now um and before you go sorry just some maintenance well the warriors are ninth place but technically they're tied with the suns at 2019 so let's uh what, what do you think about them um definitely um you know not necessarily to, I, mean, I would i would say like a six or a seven maybe um curry was kind of i would say backpacking at the beginning of the season in terms of the scoring level. Um, not like how it usually was we kick it out to clay or, you know, at least have it like Andrew Wiggins or Jordan Poole or something like that. I mean, they were still there, but clay kind of was absent, but he's brought himself back a little bit, but still um, they're not winning games. Uh, I think the defense is definitely very lackluster. They have really, I mean, Kevon Looney is their really only solid big man. I mean, granted he does well, it's just, you know, they don't really have that guy. I mean, James Wiseman was going to be that guy for them, but he hasn't been. Uh, he clearly hasn't panned out to what he should been or should be. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, pretty much like a six. Not not too crazy concerned. Uh, you know, definitely. Obviously, it's interesting because they are a team that just won the finals. But uh, you know, again, it is Steph Curry. Uh, so you you never know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, uh, Jordan. Yeah, I'm probably up to a seven. Uh, Steph is out, and and he'll come back, and I expect him to play great like he was. He was, you know, having arguably the best season of his career up until he got hurt. Um, and also, I think there were guys struggling in the beginning of the season who are definitely playing a lot better. Uh, Poole, Draymond, and Clay were had some of the worst starts to a season that you could have imagined, but they've definitely turned it around a little bit. Um, you still want to see all three of those guys – play a little better and and start playing you know as well as they were last year or for for clay maybe even better um but my big concern max is their bench is just super weak i, yeah. I just don't see the depth with them their young guys have struggled to make significant contributions moses moody james wiseman even kuminga um they've all you know when they've gotten in and gotten significant minutes they just haven't produced to the level that you would want to see on a championship team. So I, I think that's going to come back to hurt them um, if they're going to try to, you know, go back and, and repeat for a championship. Yeah. So I'm actually the opposite. I'm a, I'm a four right now. Um, I They were playing well before Steph got injured. And then I actually thought that they were going to completely fall apart on themselves um, when Steph did get injured. And I was expecting this to be really ugly. However, they've been all right. Um, they've been, you know, keeping up with everything, playing well. Uh, they're on right now. They're on a one. Well, they just lost to the Pistons last night, but 
before that, they were on a one, two, three, four, five game win streak. So they were figuring some things out. Um, Jordan Poole is getting a little bit better. Like he was horrific. He's been playing better. Draymond's playing well. Clay, I believe he plays well if he has, let's say it's like three games a week. He plays well for two, you know, and then he has like an off game here and there. Or it's maybe even if it's four games, he plays well for three, stuff like that. He just had a 50-point game. Um, I think they're getting back. They, they've decided to just stop playing the young guys. Um, that, Like you said, their plan was to rely on the young guys. Um, Moody, Wiseman, Kaminga, they've just stopped playing them. Um, they've been relying on Dante DiVincenzo and Ty Jerome. Those guys have both been unlocked. They've been playing – both those guys have been playing really well. Uh, DiVincenzo especially – Kavon Looney got that has been playing solid minutes. He's a serviceable big man. Um, I completely agree that they're they don't have a ton of bench depth, but um, you're going to be getting back one of the best players in basketball soon, and um, I think he'll be good. So for me, I'm really not worried about the Warriors. I never count them out anymore after last year, um, and I think that they've figured some stuff out while Steph was gone, which is really good because I was worried that they were going to completely uh, flounder. So, um, yeah, no, I'm not worried about them at all. The next team and the final team for this exercise is the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks are ninth. They are 18 and 20. They are below 500. Um, I am at a 10 for the Hawks. Uh, this team is leaking. They have been, uh, like They've just been leaking. They basically have... All their information is just out. Like, no, there's nothing they can keep in house. Um, everything's been leaking. Everyone knows what's going on at all times in Atlanta. Um, I do think we're gonna see a Trey Young trade. Maybe not this year, but coming up, I do think that that's gonna happen. I think that's probably for the best. Um, they're in this weird. I was looking into it. They're in this weird leadership role where Landry Fields basically got kind of like stripped of his power and it got transferred over to someone else so although Landry Fields is like a co-owner kind of like GM situation he doesn't have as much power as the other guy that he works with I don't know it was kind of a weird financial thing um, so that's strange they basically have an embarrassment of riches on their team they've got a lot of really solid guys but um, they need to consolidate those guys into you know other other players I would rather have you know Instead of having four mediocre players, I'd rather have one good player, right? That's kind of where they're at right now. Like they have Bogdanovich, Click Compella, John Collins, Jarrett Culver, who I like, um, AJ Griffin, Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, DeAndre Hunter, Jalen Johnson's been playing well, uh, Frank Kaminsky, I don't know if he even plays, but DeJounte Murray, Onyeka Kongu, and Trey Young. So they are deep, and this team on paper should be good and well built, but really they've been they've been really bad. Um Trey, I I don't know what his deal is. I don't know if he's a winning player, but he need he needed to make a change to work with Dejounte Murray, and he has not made that change. His usage rate has only gone up. He is just not playing on defense. Um, he is he he got cut on to and left like Divincenzo open um to bring the game to OT. That was fully his fault. Um, yeah, they John Collins has been on the trade block and trade rumors. <laughs> for four years now. Um, I think this team is, is actually in some shit right now. So we'll start with UTH. How do you feel about the, the Hawks? Um, you know, I definitely say my, my concern level is probably like a, you know, eight or a nine, something like that. Um, 
you know, um, I just, you know, stats 20 sec or 22nd in points allowed. So that's, you know, obviously defensively, you're not the level that I think they would be playing at with the roster that they have. I mean, obviously Trey Young and DeJounte Murray is an interesting uh, duo there, but I mean, you know, I think DeJounte Murray makes up for uh, defense where Trey Young doesn't <clears throat> provide that much, but overall it's just kind of, kind of been a dumpster fire of a year. Um, I predicted them to finish really well uh, mm. in the preseason, uh, but that just hasn't happened. Clearly uh Nate McMillan or I think Nate McMillan and Trey Young had like a big argument or whatever. So yeah, I don't really know how, whatever happened with that. We but, talked about you know, this on I think, the show before. Yeah, I think something's going to get shaken up. Uh, you know, Trey may request a trade. Uh, it just really depends on how, I mean, honestly, I don't really think it depends. It just, well, it does depend. It depends on where they can find a right place for him or wherever they're going to get the right return. But, you know, I think definitely the Hawks are going to end up back in a rebuilding phase in the next year or two. Um, it just really depends on what's, you know, what pieces can land where. So, yeah, yeah. definitely a uh, high concern level thing for them, for sure. See, the thing is, too, I think they're good enough um, that if they trade Trey Young, like your return is going to be pretty good or it's going to be very good because Trey Young is a dynamic player. He's very, very good. Um, I wouldn't expect them. And he's also what sells your jerseys and he's beloved in Atlanta. So in order to trade him, you really need a nice package. And I think they have the personnel already that if you trade Trey Young, that might not actually be a rebuilding team. Instead, you build around DeJounte Murray maybe John Collins, maybe get see what DeAndre Hunter looks like with more um, just options to facilitate offense and see where you go from there. Because I feel like DeAndre Hunter has hit a wall in his growth. However, I feel like he could that wall is Trey Young. Um, there's just not a lot of touches going around. But yeah, I think if I think if you trade Trey Young, you could actually get it where you don't have to go to that rebuild that you've talked about. So it is interesting. Um, Jordan, how do you feel about this uh, Hawk situation? Yeah, I'm in pretty much agreement. I said my concern level was a nine. Trey uh, putting up, you know, monster stat lines, but not doing it super efficiently, shooting 41% from the field and 31% from three. Definitely want to see, you know, better from Trey. And it comes with, a, I think, a lack of chemistry with the team. Like Max said, a, a lack of ball movement, um, you know, a lot of bad shot selection. As well as you know, with that bad shot selection, you're, uh, you sometimes it's harder to hit open shots. Like you're, yeah. you start losing your shot. So, um, they're also concerningly third in turnovers per game as a team, which when you watch them play doesn't surprise you at all. Nope. Um, it, it, they they look like a a pickup team at times, and it's it's tough to watch. Um, but yeah, the the East just has way too many teams for this team to even sniff a a deep playoff run. So. I think honestly, Trey might demand a trade at some point. And if I'm the Hawks, maybe I I trade him before that demand comes. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 really open to trading him. Um, another thing too is that the reason they're so bad on offense is everyone knows what they're gonna do. They run like the same thing over and over again. Um, yeah, it's just that pull screen. Like they get a screen up and then go from there, and they literally do the same thing over and over and over again. Um, there's no variation on offense. Um, one of the big leaks that came out, I, I don't know when, but it, if it was this week or last week, but it was NBA executives have all, a lot of NBA executives believe that Trey young is the next superstar to ask for a trade. So it's already the, there's already chum the water. Um, and yeah, 
I'm out of 10 for that. Um, yeah. Do you guys have any other thoughts on Atlanta or anything like that? I'm all good. TH? Yeah, no, no, no. Good shit. All right. Well, that was a really fun episode, boys. Uh, thank you for coming on. We'll be back on uh, next week with another episode of the Lovecast. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Yeah, shot it was all with y'all. Oh, hi. Coming to say you're lucky, fine. We got to cutting it off. Nobody kidding, fuck on my line. I'ma keep it above with y'all. Oh, shawty, I'm trying to make you mine. Don't make it too easy, I wanna try. She looking too good, can't let it go by. Oh, yeah. Think I won the lotto. This little mulatto. She could be a model. She wanna show me some. Think I won the lotto. Yeah, this little mulatto. She could be a model. Yeah.